that's something that came from the realization that uh, if you do a small thing every day, you know, like it really does add up. Hey, hey, welcome to the Up and Becoming podcast, a space for empowering and inspiring conversations for the dreamers, creators, and self-starters. I'm your host, Kurt Bingham, and you're listening to the first episode of season two. It's really exciting to be back for those that listened to season one and came along on that journey. I took a few months off just to focus on photography and growing myself, but for this episode, I am speaking to Wesley Vahovi. Wesley is a curator and photographer based in New York City, now living in Amsterdam. And we talk about something pretty exciting, which is his new photo book, Notice. It is available to pre-order and it is all about the 123 days that he walked around Vancouver uh, during COVID. And it has the most beautiful work inside. We talk a little bit about that, his origin story from music to photography and what it takes to pursue creative projects. Because I definitely know for myself, I need the extra inspiration every now and then. So without further ado, here is Wesley Vahoney. Today I have Wesley with me. Wesley is a photographer and uh, a curator, and uh, I'm sure he's, he's many other things, but thanks for joining us today, Wesley. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks for having me. I always like to start up and becoming with this question. What did you want to become as a kid? Um, I think the earliest memory of something that I wanted to become <clears throat> excuse me, was a comic book artist and, and or writer. I was really into comic books as a kid. Like, actually, I still am really into comic books. So maybe I can still be that one day. Yeah, of course. Of course. And I guess today um, you are a photographer. Did that kind of, uh, I guess, being interested in comic books, did you always... Did you think you were always kind of creative? Um, yeah, I th- I'd say so. I was always really into drawing. Um, I come from an artistic family where my f- my grandfather was a painter, my father as a photographer and sculptor, and just all around creative person. My mother was really amazing at uh, being a seamstress or making clothing, and so you know, kind of growing up in my family, it was the th- the thing to do on the weekends was either to go into nature or to go uh, to like some sort of exhibit art gallery type of thing yeah that's really beautiful i have i have a similar like my mom's definitely uh very creative and so is my dad so definitely influenced my um my journey as well but i guess uh just seeing you and what you do today what was a little bit um i guess your story leading up to becoming a photographer um well it that kind of happened by accident a little bit. Uh, wasn't, it wasn't planned. Yeah. Um, I had been working in the music business for a, about probably about eight, nine years uh, in various roles. I worked at some larger uh, record labels, and I also started my own small independent record label. Uh, and um, that kind of you know started me on the career uh, in the music business, and so I did that for quite a long time. And um, after, I don't know, maybe eight, eight or nine years, uh, as the success was building, the kind of the fun element was going down a bit. 
Um, and this is also times uh, around the time where streaming started coming up. So that also made the economic realities just quite different. Um, and, and I just decided that uh, I just needed to take a little bit of a break and, and figure out, you know, if, if I'm, am I going to continue doing music business stuff or am I going to do something else? And if, if something else, what? Because my whole identity was wrapped up in being a music person. You know, as I was writing songs, I was producing uh, albums, I was releasing albums. Everything that I did was music stuff. Um, and so I took a little time off to travel around the United States to, and I went to a bunch of cities that I'd never been to that were, uh, in my mind, creative uh, cities that were not really getting their due at the time. This is 2014, I believe. Um, and so I hadn't really seen a lot of the United States yet as far as like cities like Nashville I'd never been to, even though that's a big music town. Uh, I'd never been to uh, places like Charleston or I think I might have never been to Seattle at the time. Detroit, I don't think I'd been to. So those are some of the cities that I ended up going to. I picked 12 cities and I decided... Since at the time I, I didn't have an office anymore, I was working on my music stuff just from coffee shops, just like a, a work from home, um, but my home was the coffee shop. So I, re I thought to myself, well, I could work from a coffee shop in Brooklyn, where, which is where I was living, or I could work from a coffee shop in Detroit, you know, I, that's about the same. So why don't I like go to on like a very small budget, just like, because in, inside the United States, you can fly quite cheaply most of the time. So sometimes like $100 will get you halfway down the country. So I was able to go to 12 cities that I picked um, for about a week, sometimes two weeks at a time and just kind of work from there. And I also brought my camera because um, just as a hobby, I, I was I thought to myself, well, you know, if, I, if I'm curious about the creative communities of these different cities that are not really getting their due at, at, that, at that time, um, then it'd be cool to meet some people and like I could take their portrait and uh, just talk to them about well, why do you live in Detroit and what's the creative community like here? And so the first two cities I went to were Portland and uh, Portland, Oregon and, and Seattle, which is they're quite close to each other. And uh, I'm, it was really fun. I met a few people, maybe like five, six people. I took their portrait and I did a little kind of an interview with them. And then the third city I went to was Charleston, South Carolina, which I'd never been to. And um, that, it, it kind of changed everything there because I met this uh, really great barista who knew everyone. And at the, uh, in each city, I would kind of pick my coffee shop to work from. And I would just kind of every day would just go back to that one. And, and this one, I, get, I went back to this one every day. And I think even the first day, this, this guy was like, hey, where are you where are you from? Because I didn't look like I was from South Carolina, <laughs> you know? I know that feeling when you just see someone that's not a local and you're like, hmm, you're not from here. Right. And so he was super kind. So I, I, I said, well, you know, I'm doing this thing that I just explained to you. And I'm like, oh, if you know any cool creative people, I'd love to meet them and take their photo. And, and he was like, oh, don't worry. I've got you. And so in that week uh, that I was in Charleston, I ended up uh, photographing and interviewing, I think, about 40 people. Um, so like way more than in Seattle and Portland. So then I was like, well, shoot, I can't have I can't have three people in Seattle and 35 in 
you know, Charleston. So I ended up going back to Char- to uh, Seattle and, and, and Portland and because that kind of like set the tone for what then became a project. And so it kind of got out of hand and I was, you know, I was supposed to go to these cities to work on my music stuff in the coffee shop, but I ended up just like full time, like meeting people, taking their portrait and writing down what they had to say. While I was fortunate that my, my little music company was just kind of running because, you know, you put out a record, it, it continues selling a little bit here and there, you know, so you don't have to continuously work that. So I was very lucky in that regard. And so, um, I ended up doing that with 12 cities and, I ended up, I guess, a total around 600 people that I photographed and interviewed. And uh, that project just kind of got out of hand and it got some attention from press. I got um, Squarespace and MailChimp to sponsor it uh, because, you know, I, I did I did have to pay for those like little flights and everything. And so they were very generous in, in helping work that. And the film, right? <laughs> well, like, I wasn't shooting film yet. But that was all digital. Uh, okay. Well, we won't we won't get there yet. Yeah. So that was uh, when I was shooting only digital because I wasn't I wasn't really you know as a kid I shot film with my with my dad because you know but um, mm-hmm. I hadn't shot for many many years and I wasn't really planning on being a photographer either. It was just fun. I just bought a camera because I went on a trip to India a year or two previous to that and or maybe even longer and I just thought you know you go on a trip you you want to take some photos. And this was when when iPhones weren't great like they are now, um, but yeah. So I was just walking around with a digital camera and uh, at one lens, one body, and that, that became the whole project. That's amazing. And you don't actually need much. Hey, like you only really need one lens and one body. No. I think that's what I've, Absolutely. I've learned. Um, I guess pursuing photography now myself, but um, yeah, it's it's. I think it's so challenging um, when you you're not really sure who you're becoming or who, um, I guess for you working in the music industry, you were mm-hmm. like, this is who I am. This is what I do. I, where am I going to go from here? If, especially with streaming, I guess, taking away a lot of people's income as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I know many musicians here cause I, um, I actually take photos for quite a, quite a few musicians in Australia and they're often talking about that like it's so hard to make an income um and in that that project that you were doing um was there kind of a tipping point within that where you're like wow well I'm just going to keep doing this and that is when I think it was just at Charleston being in Charleston and how that like the feeling that I got from uh you know taking I, I forget if it was like 38 or 40 but having that many conversations and taking that many portraits in one week is quite intense. Like we're literally talking like five or six a day. And so uh, it gave me a, a kind of a creative rush, you know, like I love meeting people that are doing interesting things and get to kind of have a peek into their uh, process and in their life. And so it was really fun. And so while it wasn't planned out as it was happening, I was like, Ooh, this, you know, you know, I'd love to like do this more and, and let's make, let's let's make this a legitimate project. And so I put out this, uh, I put for each city, I put out one uh, long form photo essay with everyone's portraits and like little stories about everyone. Yeah. What's that called? I, I think called I one of many, one of many. Yeah. I yeah. stumbled across it on your, your website. It's brilliant. I, I was a little confused at first cause I was, I'd go, I'd see one portrait and then I'd go down expecting like it to be and, or like a feature of someone, you know, right. like several, but then there's another person and I was like, whoa, and it just kept going. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was brilliant actually. 
Yeah, yeah it was really fun. And at the time, I decided to go for long form uh, photo essays because the prevailing wisdom was uh, you have to put out a little bit of content every day, like one portrait and a little story, like kind of like Humans of New York very successfully did. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to, you know, I'm always kind of, in, I, I like yeah. to kind of go the other way. And so I, I was like, well, let's not do that. Let's do the op- the opposite. I think these cities are worth, uh, I, I was kind of asking for more time from the reader as as an investment to read it, not just a little snippet. Not to say there's anything wrong with that. It's just that that's not what I wanted to do, you know? I think that that's, in a, in a time, especially now, and, and I'm not... When was that project? Was that 2014-15? Okay, because at that time, iPhone or um, you know people taking photos on their phone was only just picking up. Yeah. But today, we're so overwhelmed with um, so much. You know, like digital media. It is, it is a very I think rare thing to just pause and read a long form article. Um, and I think even for myself. I've been working on a project and it's it's funny it's similar to you where I just love the process I love interviewing people that's why I wanted to get you on today um, but I think that is a that's kind of a rare art form that we're we're kind of losing do you think it's do you think it's re I guess coming back in a way well or? everything's cyclical right so I think that that uh, the short form was new at the time and then now we maybe go back, you know, I mean, you see what is what is one of the very most popular forms of media right now. It's long form podcasts, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, not even just one hour. There's one of you know, the maybe the most successful podcast of all at the moment is the Joe Rogan podcast. And that one goes like three and a half hours sometimes. Four hours. Yeah. Three, so, four hours. You know, that's not the wisdom that you would find in media previous that you, if you would have said like, I'm going to make the kind of content that needs a four hour investment, that's more than, that's two movies, you know? People would have said, no way, the listener doesn't want that. They want short, snappy, you know, uh, snack size, snack bite size stuff. But then they showed that you don't have to do it that way. So I think it's just a cycle. And I think also some people don't want, I mean, there's plenty of people that will not listen to a four hour podcast because it's just too much for them. But, you know, there's something for everyone there. Oh, it's so true. And I, and I, I think even in, um, in creating the project that you did, you know, one of many, um, it attracts people, you know, and, and you and you find your audience organically. It's not this, you know, Joe Rogan probably didn't go out there looking for someone that would listen for four hours. He just started oh, yeah. people just like you do. And that I think that is, for myself even, I'm learning that that's the way. It's just um, just continuing to talk about it and, and, and work mm-hmm. on your personal work and, and people, people pick up on it. Um, but I guess moving from your um, that project, did that then lead to you then doing more commercial work? Yeah. Or was there still music, music photography and you kind of transitioned or are those still together? Well, the music thing together? was still going on, but slowly the, let's say like the graph of uh, income from photography went up and income from music went down <laughs> until it intersected. And then I realized, oh, now I'm a professional photographer because I'm making more money from photo than for music. Um, but again, it was not the plan, but yeah, I did end up. So what happened was I got the sponsors for the project. I got media attention for the project. It was, uh, very fortunate timing because at the time, a lot of marketing, uh, agencies, advertising agencies were kind of shifting, um, 
from beautiful models in ads to telling stories of real people uh, about you know, using their product or, yeah. or, or service or whatever, which now is quite normal, of course. But at the time... Yeah, like influence... Uh, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, customer. Yeah, and so my timing was very lucky because what I was putting out was essentially that. Um, and so I ended up getting emails as the project got more uh, known emails from agencies and, and, and companies that were like, Hey, we love what you're doing with this. Would you uh, profile some of our customers this way for our marketing? Or would you take some portraits of our staff? Cause we're a boot company in Austin and we, um, we, we like the style and it feels like real people, you know? Yeah. And did you, did you like your style at the time? Like when you were taking photos, did you have a sense of confidence in your work? Cause I know when we're starting out, you know, you're taking, um, that's a good question. Think about that much? I don't know if I thought about it much. I think I was just doing because I wasn't really burdened by any kind of formal knowledge, uh, around photography. Mm. So I wasn't, you know, I mean, I certainly, I was learning a lot. I was learning as I was doing, of course. So because I was shooting digital, at the time, um, it's a different process, right? Because you get, you you can make a lot of mistakes, and you can save a, a fair yeah. bit of it, which is great as, as while you're learning. So, actually, what's funny is I had to go back into my uh, one of many archives the other day to find some photos of one of the people. And um, when you're when you open photos in Adobe Bridge, you see the settings that you had at the time, and and they were way off, way wrong. <laughs> so I, I don't, yeah, I, I'm they? just trying to remember. Did you, did I think I, this is actually remember? a very classic photo mistake. I think I was, I, I, I had a 35 millimeter uh, Sigma art lens, which was a 1.4. And I think, I think I shot everything at like 1.4 or, you know, very shallow. Um, and, because that's cool, but then you kind of overdo it because not every photo is supposed to be that shallow, right? So I think what I saw was that sometimes I had, I was shooting fully manual without really understanding what I was doing exactly. So I was manipulating the wrong facets. So I, I remember seeing a photo where it was, it was a sunny day, but I had my ISO set to like 6,400. And, and therefore I had to shoot at like this insane, like, 8,000, one 8,000 of a second speed, like just completely unnecessary. You get the same result, yeah. you know, but it's not the proper way to do it. But you're, you're, yeah, you're blowing out maybe the, you'd be blowing out the photo as well, I guess. Well, because my, my, because this camera's shutter speed goes so fast, I still wasn't blowing it out because I was shooting at like super duper fast for, for no reason whatsoever. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it, I, I've definitely, it was really funny to see like how badly I was taking these photos. I still got results in terms of like, this is a nice photo, but I was not, I was giving myself way too much work in terms of how I was taking the photo. I could have been much more economical and uh, appropriate, yeah. you know, with the, with my settings. So. And for, for the listeners, Wesley was shooting at the settings he was using was like nighttime pretty much. So it was probably completely sunny, but he had his, he had his settings like 
pretty much if it was I, midnight. I was shooting as if it was like a dark, moody day in Oregon, and actually, it was. I was in Texas, yeah. and it was summer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny, and we we learn like I'm still learning. I I'm still learning so much about photography. Sometimes it baffles me that people pay me to take photos, um, but even I used to be completely, um, I guess, open. Like my aperture, I'd have it like you know really low. Like I'd have yeah. it like two, and then um, and I I just thought that's what you needed to do to get all the sharpness and the detail. But now I sit maybe around like five to eight. I think mainly like for most of the things that I do. Um, but I'm, I'm now learning film and film is really hard. Yeah, but it will make your <laughs> digital better. Film camera. With now, I guess, getting into film photography, um, you, you know, you're shooting digital, you're learning about the settings and um, I guess coming to, you know, now being a, a professional photographer that you happen to fall into, for those that are actually pursuing photography do you ever do you ever meet many like many young photographers i guess i would call myself quite an you know a young young photographer in the the business is there is there anything that you often any advice you often um well I, i mostly just pass on the advice of others that i've benefited from so uh one thing is uh i i think uh, i think a really important thing is to self-assign work that you want to shoot so uh, one m kind of mistake that people sometimes make is that they, that they just kind of take any photo job, which is okay because, you know, you need the money and uh, that is important, but um, put, you don't have to put everything out there. So for example, if you don't want to be a product photographer, right, uh, or an event photographer, you can still take those jobs because they make money and they will teach you something, surely. Uh, but you don't necessarily have to only put those out or put those out at all. So, for example, I got super lucky because I self-assigned one of many to me, right, which is literally a project I wanted to do and would want to be paid for. And therefore, the work that I became uh, known for is the kind of work I wanted to do. So that means, you know, no one was coming to me for product yeah. photos because what they saw of me was portraits, environmental portraits, right? And so if you aren't getting jobs yet because you're brand new or you, you got locked into weddings or you got locked into events or anything else and you'd rather do another kind of photography, then if you self-assign projects and put those out, then that will eventually draw people in. Granted, you'd have to be good at it uh, or good enough for people to want to do something, but... That's one yeah. big advice, self-assigning work that, you, that you'd like to be paid for. I actually stumbled upon that, that advice when you did an interview with, with Willem. Willem um, from, I forget, I forget his last name. Oh, yeah. I'll actually, for Bake. Yeah, for Bake. I'll add that in the, the show notes. But you were saying that, it, you pretty much were saying exactly that. Like, I go and create what I want to create, and then, the, and then people see that, and they hire me for it. And I think that's that's something we don't often think about it's something i think uh, that's kind of lost it's uh, we just go we follow the money or we think that in order to be a professional photographer um we need to do a b and c but i've i right. have found that it's um when i'm working on features which is what i'm working on the right now like doing more profiles on people um i'm attracting more of that work and it's 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 so nice and i i think that 
I'm hoping and I'm, I'm still kind of finding my feet in it because I'm like, oh, maybe I will love this, but maybe there's something else that I'll love even more down the track in photography. So I find and that... And things change too because yeah. maybe at some point, you you know, art, artists go through periods. You know, Picasso had a blue period and then he had other periods. So it's also possible, like all my stuff before this was pretty much environmental portraits and then now my book isn't at all, you know, and that just kind of happened due yeah. to circumstances you know of course so things change as well and not that i don't want to do portraits anymore i'm that's still my favorite but i now have another tool in my arsenal i can now do kind of fine art still life too because i kind of rolled into that yeah and i i think i did some product photography um a few times last year and i just found that it, it i struggled with it it's just it's not easy people. it's hard yeah yeah it's hard <laughs> yeah yeah, it's hard. It's it's tricky because you're, you're working with something that usually when I'm working with people, it's this energy and it's fun. You're yeah. meeting people, you get to ask some questions. Um, working with a product, it's it's a bit lonely. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it's just technically, it's, it's technically yeah. much harder, really. Because you can take a, there's many portraits that are legendary, beautiful portraits that evoke an emotion uh, that are not even in focus or properly lit or whatever because we associate emotion with with humans try to do that with a box you know of stuff that's not easy yeah it's not my it's not my thing so <laughs> if anyone listens to me on this and i've shot your products i did do my best but <laughs> it's not where i'm going um but i i i guess you just touched on you're working on a photo book it's called yes. notice is yes. that correct and and what is that photo book about? Is it um, what's I guess what's kind of the theme? Um, what are you trying to say? Um, well, the the way this book came about is that uh, dur- right when the pandemic hit, I was in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, uh, and I was supposed to be there for about two months. Uh, but after one month, you know, the world changed, and we had everything was different. You know, borders closed, uh, things went on lockdown, and so. The thing that I always do, my bread and butter, is running around cities all over the world and like fast-paced movements to find people on the street that I want to photograph and meet. And suddenly that was no longer an option because there was nobody on the street and I certainly couldn't get close to them because everybody had to keep their distance. And so my whole thing was kind of gone. And so um, at the same time, I was also in a suburban area of, of Vancouver, very beautiful, but not quite the kind of environment that I usually would find inspiring previous to this because I'm usually kind of a big city running around person. Um, And this was straight up suburb, very calm and quiet, very beautiful, but in a different way. And so I was kind of stuck literally and figuratively because I couldn't leave and didn't have a car. I couldn't go to other places because I just wasn't smart. Uh, And so I just decided to take like a daily photo walk in that in that small kind of suburban neighborhood and um, take pictures in a different way. So instead of running fast, I was walking slow. Instead of focusing on, on humans and their stories, I was, f- uh, I was focusing on the smallest little details, uh, the little bits of beauty and, and wonder that I could find by slowing down and really paying attention. You know, I was, I was literally training myself to notice more things. You know, small things from the way uh, the shadow of a basketball rim was was projected onto a garage door or 
the way that the flowers, as I passed them every day, were changing and growing and then dying and being replaced by other flowers. And, you know, all these different little things that I usually would pass right by because I wasn't paying attention really to that stuff. And so I started shooting that and um, just as a um, kind of a form of therapy, really, like I'm a very routine based person that gives me uh, uh, kind of a calm. And so doing something every day is really nice for me. And so I I started doing that every day around the same time of day. And I would come back and and I have a couple of cool photos. And after a few days or maybe a few weeks, I was like, oh, Maybe maybe this could be more than just therapy for me. Maybe this could be like a, a print series. Maybe I can make some nice prints because the photos were, were edging very much towards fine art, kind of still life type of photography. And so um, I kept going. And then after a while, it went from, hmm, maybe instead of just some prints, maybe it could be a zine. That would be fun. It could make a zine of my time during the COVID pandemic. And then, you know, I, I did this for 123 days in a row. Um, and so I, at some point I was like, I wonder if I have enough for a book. Maybe I have enough good photos for a book. Who knows? And I wasn't really seeing a lot of the photos because um, I shot this both digital and on film. And the f- I didn't see any of the film shots until after that period because I saved up all my rolls and sent them as one giant package to my lab in New York. And so I didn't, I didn't actually see any of those photos, but I saw the digital ones and I, and I was shooting similar stuff on, I mean, the same stuff basically on film anyway. So uh, I knew the vibe and I was just thinking, well, maybe I have enough for a book. That would be cool because I've done some smaller zini type of books, but I've never done like a full on monograph, like hardcover fancy book, which is what this is going to be. And, and, uh, and, and, and then I looked through them all. And, you know, I mean, in the end, I shot almost 40,000 pictures. So out of those, once I once I narrowed those down, uh, I felt I had enough for a book. And so I got some friends involved and they helped me cut down and curate. And and then my friend Dan Rubin, who's also a fantastic photographer, he's the he, his real job, aside from being a photographer, is designer. And so he has a lot of experience designing books. So he's designing the book and... Um, I got a lot of people involved and it's, it's, I'm really proud of it. And I'm really excited about it. So that's something that came from the realization that uh, if you do a small thing every day, you know, like it really does add up because I was, my photo walks on a daily basis, they were only, um, you know, let's say two, sometimes three hours, you know, walking quite slowly. Um, and because I always had my phone with me, I realized towards the end, I realized that, all of that had been tracked by my phone. And so I looked and it ended up being uh, 1.6 million steps uh, for, for that 123 day period. And it's actually, a, I, did, I, I did the tracking and I calculated it and it turned out to be about 900 kilometers that I walked in that period, which is, sounds like a, an insane number. Oh, sorry. No, it's actually 1200 kilometers. Uh, it's 800 miles. And so if you would have told me beforehand, like, hey, for the, for your next project, you have to walk 1,200 kilometers in the same neighborhood, I, I don't think I would have thought that that was possible. But, you know. You'd, you'd think you're insane. Yeah. You know? People would think you're crazy. Absolutely. And, and, and if you, you know, but if you do a small thing every day, take a step in, in, in the direction of your goal every day, it just, it just adds up, you know. Yeah. And I actually think that that's what, that's one of the things that you inspire me most, um, 
with Wesley is just you. I love how you said it. It makes you calm that you have a routine because I watch, um, I you know look at your blog and that, and I and I watch how you archive your photos and how you have processes for a lot of things, and that's just not how I function. I'm a little bit more like pretty things over there, you know, or like. And my my girlfriend, she I guess I like looked because I'm like, is she here? No, um, <laughs> she gets like, she gets a bit frustrated because. Um, she's like, what are you doing tomorrow? Or like, what are you doing like on the weekend? I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know yet. Like, we'll see. Well, I, I will <laughs> I say just... I'm actually that same way, but I, but I, you know, okay. I force myself into these things because otherwise I get too overwhelmed. You know, if I don't, mm. it's very easy for me to let things slide and like not archive my photos, but it's a complete nightmare if you do that because it's infinitely more work to to try to do it like once a year rather than doing it every day after you shoot like taking a note you know it takes way less time and it makes me less stressed so i relate to what you're saying because if if i were left to my own devices without the uh knowledge that this is going to hurt me more later i would do that as well but i i've i've been hurt yeah. i've hurt myself that, that that way way too many times so now i've forced myself into these uh these little like at administrative kind of routines as well in addition to that because it just makes it better for me and it makes me less stressed out and it allows me to focus more on making the yeah. actual work you know of course and now you have a photo book because of it in many ways you know you're committed to walking out there every day i i remember uh the end of last year i was like okay next year I'm going to wake up every day at sunrise and I'm going to go down the beach and I'm going to take a photo. And like, that was my intention, but I haven't, I haven't done it, which is quite frustrating, but I love to take photos of the beach. I love to take photos of like the coast and, and just like coastal lifestyle. And I've sold quite a few prints, um, doing that. But for me, that's actually what I love shooting more than anything else. Just like, you know, people out in there every day, but that's not particularly what people pay for, well, I haven't experienced that yet where someone's like, oh, hey, you, you know, that's, I think that's, that would be the goal. Um, but that is, that does inspire me because I'm like, well, maybe, maybe all those photos I took at Bondi or this local Brit beach I love called Bronte. Yeah. I mean, people do love it. That, I mean, Bondi beach or Bondi, is it, do you pronounce it Bondi beach? Bondi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I always thought it was Bondi beach because I see it on social media a lot. Um, but I think that, 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 Bondi Beach is like a thing. People seem to really, it's a certain kind of culture of like around the wellness, like like yoga women kind of thing. Um, yeah. And maybe surfing and maybe, you know, skating, stuff like that. So I feel like that's definitely a brand of its own that you could do something with because people love that, you know. And all the people that like to travel to, to those places would probably like to have a beautiful print on their wall of, of that, to remind them of that place. Yeah, there's there's a few people around here. Like, there's one guy called Eugene. He has um, a gallery called Aquabumps, and he's down there every day, and he sells prints. Um, and he's kind of, I guess he's got a, an incredible following. But mine are more, I guess, film, and they're more like fine art. And, you know, trying to... not I'm not actually trying to be different. It's just what I, it's just what I love, you know. Um, but that is, yeah, that is that is interesting. For your photo book, what do you, what do you see for it? Like, do you... Um, are you going to be like, I guess, trying to do a tour or some kind of thing when you do get the chance? Now, I mean, at this point, it's not Probably possible, not. right? You know, yeah, with COVID and everything. But um, 
we're in about uh, two to three weeks, we'll launch the pre-order. Um, so then it'll be available to buy and it's going to be really fun. Uh, every person who pre-orders it will get a special uh, behind the scene, like kind of like BTS zine of the making of the book. Oh, yeah. I, you've been putting that together. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's only for uh, for the people that pre-order the book. And then uh, once the book is out of pre-order, that scene, no one gets it anymore. So it's kind of like a little bonus. And there'll be some other really exciting bonuses just for people that are pre-ordering, but I can't talk about those just yet. Um, <laughs> okay. The printing company that we're working with, we're really excited about. They're called uh, Wilco, and they've done like tons of famous photo books. And it's been a real uh, pleasure working with them already. And so we are you know, f- going full steam ahead. And in a few weeks, it should uh, it, the order should be possible. And then a few weeks after that, Although you never know with, with current situations, like I know, like shipping is probably a little bit slow right now, but uh, there will be yeah. a physical book to, that exists. Yeah, and then you you also have another project where you interview people about their their favorite photo book. Yes, that's called the Observers, and I do that with my very good friend Paul Jun. In doing that, why 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 is why are photo books so important to you? Like to start, you know, to be interviewing people about photo books. Um, in a day where everything's so digital, like, you know, we're on Instagram every day scrolling, consuming photos. Yeah, well, well Paul and I both had the realization that um, photo books provide something very special that, that nothing else really does, specifically for photographers in terms of learning. Um, like you already said, like if you're scrolling and, and your feed doesn't really quite stop more than one second for a little tap, you're not learning anything about composition. You're not really analyzing an image. Also, the screen is quite small. So that's already a challenge in terms of really truly learning as a a photographer. Um, And like you said, like you can, photography is something, is a craft that you you can learn forever. Like you're never going to get to the end of it. You know, you're still learning every day. I'm still learning every day. And that's part of the fun. And, And we think that photo books are one of the most important and most fun tools to learn from um it's when you can really take the time to sit with an image you you can really stare at it and analyze like what is going on why am i responding to this photo uh is it the light is it the composition what is the composition even of this photo and then you also have the opportunity to see work in in sequence you see bodies of work not just a single image and that's a whole other level of of storytelling um and then the physical aspect of it, it's different to see it. You know, printing is its own craft. Printing on paper is an incredible craft that's quite old and, and very sophisticated. So the, the best books have chosen a certain kind of paper because it works well with those kinds of photos and a certain kind of way yeah. of printing because it works well with those kinds of photos. And so there's so much there, so much power that lies in the photo book in terms of the best representation of those images that you know we just felt like there's a lot of value there and people are sort of forgetting about it a little bit because everybody's caught up in in the digital aspect of it all and of, with which there's nothing wrong it's just a different thing yeah. you know and so we thought okay well how can we get more people to read photo books um and and they're quite expensive, right? A lot of the times. So we also made sure to to make it very accessible. So um, every photo book on the Observer's website that's recommended by a, a well-known photographer, there's a link to purchase it, but there's also a link to find it at your nearest library. So 
almost every country in the world participates in this database. And so if you if you live in Mexico City and you you, you read about, uh, you know, uh, Deanne Arbus's book, which I'm looking at right there, and you're like, oh, I'd love to read that, but I can't really buy it in Mexico City because it's more than I can afford or I just can't find it. Then you click on the library link and you find the nearest library that has it so you can go look at it for free. Um, so we thought to ourselves, okay, well, what is missing here is there's so many photo books, which one should I even look at, right? And yeah, so, and that's how I feel. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. Like I only, I have, um, I purchased Joe Greer's uh, I love. Oh yeah, I, I have it too. Yeah, I got it too. That's my first ever photo book. Oh, but, um, that's so nice. Yeah, but I also have that. Um, I guess that overwhelming. What do I do? Like, what do I get? You know, you just kind of follow the people you love, but it it's hard when there's so many beautiful old photo books too. Yes, yes, and so we decided. Well, let's come up with a solution for that. You know, uh, how, you know, there's never really any articles that we, that we saw recommending photo books aside from the end of year, like best of 2020 photo books, whatever, but that's not yeah. deep enough, we thought. So we decided, okay, well, how, who do we want to recommend photo books? I mean, I could recommend photo books, but, but that's, that's limited, right? So if we could get the people to recommend photo books who've made photo books that we love, meaning legendary photographers, then that's the best, right? So what we ended up doing was interviewing these like known photographers and we're basically asking them the question, hey, you inspire us. Who inspired you? What are photo books that you have been inspired by in your past or even right now? It could be old, it could be young photo books, it could be you know, any kind of photo books. So, and some people actually even recommend some non-photo books. Uh, some people have recommended some books about painting yeah. and I think there's even one novel in there. Uh, but it's. Yeah. I think I've seen that one. I have kind of like, <laughs> kind of like, I have gone. Through yeah, and so we just, you know, we talked yeah. to let's say Elliot Irwitt, who is one of my favorites and a total legend, and we talked to him about like what photo books do you love and why. So here's five photo books to, that you love, and this is the reason why you love them. And here, as a reader, you can click on the link to get to buy that book or to go get it at the library. And so that's kind of the whole everything about it. I. I could ask you so many more questions. There's just so many, there's so much I want to know. Like I know you worked for National Geog, you've worked for like some brands that I'm so inspired by. Um, is there anything that, that does stand out for you with working for people like National Geographic or, or I guess Squarespace and Apple and those, those brands? Um, um, I think one thing is that you have to remember that even uh, very well-known companies. It's just people that work there. Uh, so you know, you you may think, oh, every you know this uh, number number one yeah. company in the world or whatever. It's all very organized and it's all uh, very professional and it's all perfect. But of course, it's not because it's just people that work there. And so you kind of have to keep that in mind and also be kind to yourself to to not say like, oh, I'm not good enough. For this or that because that's only perfection and it's, it's really it's not like it's the way that you know there's a phrase like the way the sausage is made like not everybody wants to see the way the sausage is made they just want to eat the sausage but it's messy you know it, 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 even even working with uh, companies that are very well known can be a messy experience and stressful mm -hmm. also um, so that's one thing um, to remember and I, and I mean that in an empowering way I mean that in a way that's like 
you know, don't feel like you're not good enough to uh, one day shoot for the brand that you love most because it can happen. You just have to keep going and make work that fits that what they do and get in there. Um, and the other thing is, that comes to mind is you mentioned National Geographic specifically. I did a few stories for National Geographic Traveler and uh, my biggest joy of doing that was the fact that their uh, art directors and their designers are so good at what they do because a lot of the time if you work with a publication, a magazine, uh, they pick kind of the wrong photos. You know, like they pick not your favorite photos and they and they pick photos where you're just like, oh, really? That's that's the one you went with? But this one is so much nicer. And, um, and then, the, you know, sometimes they may crop it in a way that you don't really like or you know, lay the page out in a certain way. But the first time I got uh, the physical National Geographic Traveler magazine that my first story was in, I was blown away because there are directors and designers made it, made the pictures better by the way that they did their thing. It was so cool to see that they were able to crop them in a certain way that made them more powerful. They were able to lay them out in like a certain pairing that made it cooler. And I was really impressed by that. And it, and that was just a really cool feeling because most of the time it's it's a little disappointing once you actually see your work in the magazine just because uh, it's just not that great the way they did it or not the way I imagined. But National Geographic Traveler has always been like amazing with that kind of stuff. So that's a really nice feeling because you know your work is in good hands, you know? Thanks for sharing that, Wesley. I, I have five flash questions just to ask the the first question is uh what's your favorite film or series right now there's this uh, maybe an unexpected answer but i really love monty don do you know who that is no i don't he's a he's a british gardener okay and and he has gardening shows and i love them i'm gonna check that out i love gardening (laughs) it's very um again calming incredible What's uh What's one book that's left a mark on you? Uh, there's a book called Stoner by John Williams, um, which is a book from the 1960s that wasn't really successful until the early 2000s, um, and it's a no- it's a novel. It's about it's it's a, I think the subtitle, and I could be butchering this a little bit, but uh, the subtitle is something like the the unremarkable life of Professor. I forget his first name right now, but let's say it's John, John Stoner. It's not John, it's William, I think. Um, the Unremarkable Life of Professor Stoner. Yeah. And so it really, that's that's really all it is. It's like from his childhood, through college, through his career, he gets married, he has a child, and then at the end, uh, he dies. And that's not really giving away anything. Um, it's just incredibly beautiful and moving um, novel. Yeah, I, I love it. And it was unexpected because I wasn't supposed to read that book. It was, I was at a bookshop in Beacon, New York, and I was just kind of like looking through uh, the shelves. And this is a secondhand bookshop. And um, this guy, this random guy was like, you should read that book. And I was like, this one? Stoner? I mean, I thought it was about drugs, which I'm, I, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not really into books about drugs. Yeah, of course. So I was like, oh, okay, well, and he just had this whole story about how, it was just the most incredible book. And and I was like, well, I mean, I guess if this if this man is so passionate about it that he's trying to convince a, a stranger to buy it, I guess I should buy it. And then I did, and then I read it and I loved it. And now I've recommended it to many people too. 
That's amazing. I'll I'll definitely grab it. I always, yeah. I think books can sometimes choose us, but in other and in, in other moments, people do recommend books in those moments, and I think we always need to act on it because uh, there's always something to learn. Um, who is one person that inspires you? Oh man, that's so many people. Mm. Um, I mean, anyone that makes work that moves me inspires me. So like the people that I just mentioned, but um, of course, let's see if someone else comes to mind aside from those folks. Well, one thing about Elliot Erwitt that really inspires me is that he's in his 90s and he still has that fire and that kind of like whimsical, naughty sparkle in his eyes about how fun he finds it to take photos. And, you know, I hope that I... I can, yeah. you know, keep keep that also and be old and still super into it like him. Of course. That, yeah, I hope so too. Um, what's one piece of advice you would tell your younger self? I think the self-assigned one, I kind of already did on my own. So I, 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 it might have helped me to know like ver- verbally what that was. But, but I'll, uh, I think another one is to... Um, start sooner with trying to be organized. Uh, and I'm talking about taxes, negatives, uh, anything that's like adult keeping your shit together, you know, like to start sooner with that because uh, it's never going to be a bad thing to to be organized and like have things tidy and like, you know, properly handled yeah of course i will take that advice i I, i'm using your advice on your blog he i will give you guys the article but on his blog he pretty much shows you how to archive your your footage and etc etc i might even ask you what the other things are you know how to store your negatives i don't know where to put them all yeah yeah there's just binders for that i i don't have one like handy here but this is special binders for it okay amazing and then i guess the last question is um what are you dreaming about doing next? Um, well, having rec- yesterday I had a shoot, uh, ha- having recently relocated to Amsterdam, uh, I, I'm kind of like re figuring out my life in it professionally, you know? So I, I'm like, I've worked mostly almost exclusively in the United States and not so much here yet. And so I'm in the process of kind of like, making myself known, letting people know that I'm here, letting people know what my work is like. Um, and um, as part of that, I did a really fun studio shoot last uh, yesterday. And um, it reminded me of how much I love shooting in a studio as well, because uh, most of my work is shot outside, but I really love shooting in a studio as well. And um, I think yesterday after the shoot, one thing I was dreaming about uh, was to have my own studio. Uh, and I always think of uh, Richard Avedon, who is one of my photographic heroes, and of course, of many, many people. Um, and he had his own beautiful studio. And, um, you know, he would just call people like that he read an interesting article about. And uh, there's this one a funny anecdote of this um, female novel. I don't remember if she's a novelist or just an author of a nonfiction book, but she wrote a book that 
made some made some news in in the, in their day. So this maybe was the eighties or something. And um, Richard Avedon called her and said, "Hi, I'm a photographer. I'm Richard Avedon." She didn't know who he was because she just wasn't familiar with that kind of stuff, even though he was very famous beyond like photography. And he said, Hey, my name is Richard Avedon. I really enjoy your book. And I was wondering if you would come by the studio, I'd like to take your portrait because he, that's what he would do. He would take portraits of people he would find fascinating. Right. Which is what I do also. And so, uh, she, she was, she wasn't really sure what that was about, but she said, okay, yeah, let me think about it. That's probably fine. But, you know, it's also kind of strange if a man calls you that you don't know, of course. Uh, so she was maybe feeling a little weird about it, but then she put the phone down and then she told her husband uh, and he knew who Richard Avedon was. He's like, Richard Avedon, you have to do this, you know? And so, so to go back to your question, I think yesterday I was dreaming, dreaming about having my own studio so that I, because yesterday's studio I had to pay for, which is not cheap. And if I had my own studio, which also is not cheap, but then at least I would have it, then I could call people like that and and bring them into the studio and do that all the time because that would be so fun and it would be a beautiful body of work. I love that. That's such a cool dream. I am. Um, I think studios still kind of scare me, but I'm I'm growing. I'm learning, and um, it's yeah, it's it is beautiful when you're in a studio and and you just get to just get to create and collaborate and um it's such a blank canvas as well which is is something that i love about studios um but wesley thanks so much for for coming on up and becoming and having a conversation with me um i'm sure so many people will have learned from from just our, our conversation and and all the things they get to to look into after after they listen um in the show notes so yeah thanks so much you're very welcome Kurt. It's a pleasure Hey, hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode with Wesley. I hope you guys learned as much as I did. Uh, Wesley is an incredible person, and uh, I've left a bunch of his resource below, including his photo book notice. Jump on board, have a look, and if it speaks to you, if it connects with you, um, order it before it closes. I think today is actually the last day, um, but as always, thanks for being here. Thanks for spending your time listening and uh, increasing your own knowledge so that you can grow and be um, the best version of you. Uh, My name is Kurt Bingham. This is the Up and Becoming podcast, and I will see you next time. Big love.